Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSRHealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. Broadcasting from Huntington Beach, California, coast to coast, normally from New York City as well, but today we've got a special guest from Canada. And a big LA welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave Nassani on the Caregiver Dave Show, coming to you live from the syndicated all-positive talk radio network, HealthyLife.net, broadcasting in all 50 states and 135 countries with my lovely co-host, Author of Plan Your Aging Well and Caregiving Expert Stephanie Erickson. And we're proud to be voted number one caregiving podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and one of the top six best podcasts by Caring.com, as well as number three podcast out of thousands on, of caregiver podcasts on Feedspot. And we have a great show planned for you today, don't we, Stephanie? We do. We have an excellent show. Thanks for inviting me to co-host with you. Appreciate it. Hey, I'm glad that you uh, accepted at the last minute. Adrian is having some cataract surgery on her eyes, and she just didn't think she'd be in the mood. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't blame her. Well, I'm in the mood. I'm ready to go. <laughs> oh, good, good. We're all in the mood. And we do have an exciting show planned for you today. Dr. Aaron Blight. Dr. Blight is launching a new book for caregivers, When Caregiving Calls, Guiding As You care for a patient, a spouse, or aging relative, and that just about covers everyone, I think. But hey, before I introduce Dr. Aaron Blight, I want to take this opportunity to thank my last guest, Anne Boudreau, Heal, Renew, and Develop Your Self-Worth. And you can watch your list of that interview and all our interviews on HealthyLife.net and many of our other great interviews on our membership website, CaregiverDave.com. All right, enough of that. Dr. Blight, so honored to be interviewing today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dave. It's an honor to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to join you today. Well, like I said, the honor is ours. And I like to ask my guests to take a minute or two and just tell us who is Dr. Blight and why was he put on this earth? Well, I uh, live in Virginia. I was a family caregiver for five and a half years. At that time, I worked in the federal Medicaid program in national health care policy, writing policy for elderly and disabled people. But after my mother-in-law, uh, who had cancer, passed away, I left CMS and opened a home care company. And I was able to help thousands of families that were like mine, caring for aging relatives. And during that time, I also got a doctoral degree. And uh, my degree is actually in learning. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a doctor of education. But uh, I used the lens of adult learning to study caregiving. And uh, learned a lot about caregiving as a phenomenon of social science. 
And I just recently wrote a book about caregiving for caregivers. So I'm delighted to share it with you today. And we're always delighted to have actual caregivers on the air because there's a lot of people who study caregiving, study gerontology, study aging, etc. I spoke at the University of Hawaii a couple of years ago, and I couldn't get over how impressed they were that I was a real live caregiver because they've never seen one. <laughs> well, there are 53 million of them in America, so. Yes, and probably more than that because uh, we, we don't really know who all is the caregivers. And don't forget those those young caregivers between the ages of 8 and, and 18. They think there's at least 6 million of those. But how did caregiving exactly uh, enter your life and how did it change your life? young age, Dave, I was 29, and my mother, mm-hmm. we had three children, my wife was, uh, my wife's a little bit older than me, I won't tell you exactly how old she is. <laughs> my wife is a little older than me, too. Yeah, do not yeah. say that on, on please do I, not, it's going to be recorded, just. Proud of her okay. age, she's 10 <laughs> years older than me, and she's <laughs> darn, not darn proud of it, because she likes well, the cradle, she doesn't like me saying that. <laughs> yeah, we, we talk about that as well in our house, but. Her mother was only 59 when uh, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. We were at her home one evening for hamburgers with our three children, and she said that she was seeing lights and uh, thought she should probably get that checked out. So she went to the doctor that week, and they told her that they had a brain tumor the size of a golf ball and that she needed immediate brain surgery, and she, at best, had six to nine months to live. Oh, my God. And that was kind of our response, just complete and utter shock. It just immediately changed our lives. Uh, Of course, she decided to have the brain surgery, and she moved into our home to recover for two weeks. She was going to stay in our home for two weeks. Only two weeks? That was the idea, that she would get better after the brain surgery. <laughs> oh, yeah, it always back starts to her, out that way. <laughs> her home, yeah. I'll never forget what she looked like after the brain surgery. She, I thought she looked like Frankenstein. They had shaved her skull. Wow. And they had uh, staples that they put all up around oh. uh, her skull. But she went through radiation, chemotherapy, a second brain surgery, all while she was in our home. She, she lived with us for almost two years. And the cancer went into remission, but she was never the same mentally. Her, she was in a state of cognitive decline for five and a half years after her brain surgery. And so we, even though she lived on her own for a while, she, we, she needed constant care, and we were always going over to her, her house to help her. Let and, me just uh, jump in. I have, a, I have a question for you because when, as a couple, you know that someone is going to need care and you make the decision like, oh, this is going to be short-term, two weeks. You kind of know in the back of your head this could become more. How do you have that kind of an open and honest discussion as a partnership, you and your wife, coming to that decision, knowing that you've got kids in the home, like that you have to also give attention to? How do you come around to making that kind of a commitment? Great question. That is a great question, Stephanie, and, and yeah, I'm 50 years old now, so this, we're going back over 20 years, <laughs> and if I'm being honest with you, for us at that time, we did not think about it. We did not have that conversation. We did not know what we were in for. All that we knew at the time was that uh, Jessica's mother needed help, 
And, of course, we were going to help her. We would do whatever it took. It was such a sudden diagnosis, such a dire prognosis that we just knew that we had to do whatever we could. And that's one of the things about caregiving. You don't really know how long it's going to last. Sometimes it happens very suddenly, like it did for us. Sometimes it creeps in very slowly and incrementally, almost imperceptibly. But either way, you don't really know how long it's going to last. And so in our case, we were told six to nine months uh, max. And, and the two-week commitment was, yeah, she, she needs to recover from, from her brain surgery. But it became clear very quickly that she needed a lot more help and couldn't just uh, go back to her home. So she stayed with us, and we absorbed that. Uh, we did have three children. Our oldest at the time was six. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> and while, her, while my mother-in-law lived with us, uh, my wife got pregnant, and we had a fourth child. So <laughs> we, we had the entire pregnancy wow. during, during the time that, <laughs> that mom was in our home. Hmm. So it, it was an incredibly uh, difficult and protracted and stressful time. But we didn't know what we were getting into. And today, after, you know, 20 years later, after learning so much and working with families and studying caregiving, there are a lot of things that I would have done differently, a lot of things that I know, conversations that we could have, should have had. But uh, that's the point of, of my book, is to try to help others who are in a similar situation to do better than I did. You know, this is a good place to talk about um, grief and not just the grief process, but there's something called anticipatory grief, because you guys didn't know. So would you describe what you were going through as an anticipatory grieving period, and maybe you can explain that and maybe explain the difference between actual grief? Yeah, so grief is something that happens when we suffer a loss, especially a death, right? And so people grieve after a loved one passes away. But in caregiving situations, start grieving before death occurs, before your loved one passes away. And um, there have been studies about anticipatory grief. It, it arises especially with families that are looking at uh, loved ones who have dementia and uh, things like that where they're they're losing their loved one and their loved one's sense of, of identity and self. And so the grief, the anticipatory grief, is knowing that uh, there will be further losses before the death. It could be the loss of a relationship. It could be the loss of time. It could be the loss of hopes for the future, plans for the future. So that grieving process, it's, it's, not, it's not linear and neat. It's, it's messy. It's discombobulated. It's, it's a, like a roller coaster. But it's something that you experience as a caregiver, and we certainly experienced that in our, in our family, and I saw it with so many of the, the families that we cared for. The thing that you said, which I really appreciate, is that typically when people think about grief, they think about death. They just associate it with death. And we're all experiencing losses throughout our entire life, starting with the loss of childhood. You know, moving from elementary school to middle school is a loss. I mean, we're always experiencing losses. And I think 
we need to have those discussions more because sometimes people don't understand why they're experiencing distress and they're unhappy or they're depressed, but there's so many losses that are happening, the loss of a role, the loss of a relationship um, or your family unit when your mother in-law moved in, there was that original unit, now you have another person in there, right? There's all of these different losses that are happening, and I really like um, that you're bringing that up. I think it's really important. Thank you, yeah. Stephanie. And I've, I've heard aging described as a series of losses, and if yeah. you think about that, as people are, you know, in the twilight years of their life, they yeah. they lose so many things, and um, it can be very difficult. Yeah, you and I are older. Uh, Stephanie is still so young. She probably doesn't understand about I'm losing 50. things. I'm 50. I'm same. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, you're I'm 50? The same oh, my God. You're yeah, I'm 50. I thought she was like 30. <laughs> okay, and I'll be on next week. Um, but I've had a lot of – I um, <laughs> I, I definitely understand, and I, I'm losing things every single day like my glasses and my keys. <laughs> It happens. Well, I wish it was only that. I just finished yeah. ankle surgery, and uh, this is oh. week 14 now of having oh. this thing on my leg. I just recently got a, a boot, graduated. So now I can at least take a bath without doing contortions in the tub and stuff like that. But, uh, okay, we all look good for our age. We've uh, established that. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, were you a writer before, or what? what made you think that you could write a book? This is my first book, Dave. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, I mean, unless first you one's always it, the hardest. It's like the first child. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't. I don't really count my my doctoral dissertation as a book. It's it's certainly that length. But uh, did you publish any of those or no? No, I was so done with that thing by the time yeah. that I was finished with the dissertation, I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> so this was fun uh, as opposed to that. Would you say that? This was this was very much a a passion project. I I felt oh. called or or compelled to write it. Um, and it really happened. I think that the idea emerged after I sold my home care company, and had some extra time and had the ability to devote myself to writing something like this. And as I thought about caregivers and their needs, I realized, you know, I, I'm, I have kind of a unique perspective because I've been a family caregiver, I've been in national health care policy, I owned a home care business, and I've studied mm-hmm. caregiving. And putting all of that together, I realized that, that I, I couldn't just put that on the shelf. I had to do right. something with it. So... I, that's why I wrote the book. And that's neat to have all those different perspectives and, and putting them together. How did you find your voice at the tone of the book? Like, did you consciously choose, I'm going to write as a caregiver, I'm going to write as um, a professional, I'm going to write as uh, someone who was in policy? Like, how do you, because our voices are different based on the roles that we're playing. Yeah. So if you read something I wrote in healthcare policy, it would sound totally different than this book. Which is probably a good uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. That I, I wanted to write a book that was very relatable, very accessible to caregivers. So it's it's almost like a conversation. Um, a friend who Thank you. Yeah, the title is When Caregiving Calls, Guidance as You Care for a Parent, Spouse, or Aging Relative. 
a friend of mine who read an early like version of it. Almost like when caregiving screams because it's yeah. like, oh, is somebody calling me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes it's not a, a quiet little whisper. It's it's like yeah, like it was in our family. Yeah, maybe family. your sequel will be called when caregiving screams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's but a good I idea, that... Dave. I should think about that. Yeah, that is. I different. took that title as calling like um. Like a calling, like, like a gift, like, a like an internal soulful gift. That's how I took yeah. the title. I don't know if Double that's meaning. Right. I, I yeah. think I think it has both. It carries both meanings. Yeah. And, and I did think about the title. I mean, that was what I was aiming for. Uh, but get back to your question, you know, uh, a friend who read an early version of the book said, you know, this book makes me feel like I've had a long day. And I, everybody's been put to bed, and it's quiet, and I, I could sit in front of the fire and pull out my book and be reassured and, and have a friend speaking to me. And and I thought, wow, that's that's exactly the kind of book that I wanted to write. And so it was so gratifying to hear that feedback from her. Cool. That's great. So are you thinking about a sequel? Is there a I lot am. more that you need to say I, yeah, that you, I, you haven't said? I've, I've been sort of in my mind. You're the first person to ask me this, Dave. <laughs> this book just came out, but I am thinking about <laughs> the second book, and I have a couple of go. ideas in my head, and I'm not sure which one I should do. I'd be curious to hear hear any feedback from, from you about that, but I don't know sure, if you want to go maybe there. at the end. Okay. So let's talk about this book. Um, why did you write it, and what are you hoping to accomplish? Your audience is obviously caregivers. Are they a specific kind of caregiver, paid caregivers, family caregivers, uh, caregivers of spouses, uh, as, as you alluded to? It's written for, for family caregivers. Okay. And um, the, the book unpaid is broken. ones, yeah. The unpaid <laughs> ones, although I think the paid ones also can really benefit from the book. Sure. I've, they I've get emotionally attached to their loved one as well. Yeah. Um, the book is divided into 18 chapters. Uh, the chapters are conversation, roles, relationship, family, time, stress, work, body, mind, home, independence, loneliness, emotion, providers, Skills, rewards, faith, and next steps. And wow, so each that's chapter. Pretty, that's pretty, uh, uh, inclusive of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, I tried to, you know, again, think about all of the things that family caregivers go through. And each chapter is relatively concise. It's brief. It's it's not a long-winded book. I did not I did not want to write a book where you know the author just goes on and on and on and on and just says the same thing over and over. I I my I did not want a book like that. So there are 18 chapters. They're all fairly concise. And after each chapter, there are questions for reflection. And this is where some of my doctoral learning comes into play because as I was writing the book I just kept thinking about family caregivers mm -hmm. and what do they what do they need what are their concerns what are their challenges what are they having a hard time uh, adapting to in their caregiving journey 
And then I thought, well, how can I make this book more impactful for them? Because it's one thing to write a book that can inform people. It's another thing to write a book that could potentially transform someone's life. And I wanted to create a learning experience for the family caregiver. And so after each chapter, um, there are questions for reflection that invite the caregiver to think about what they just read and then apply it to their individual caregiving experience. And with so that process of, of intentional reflection upon what they're experiencing prompted by some, some informed good questions, thought-provoking questions, could really lead the caregiver to gain some insights about their caregiving experience and understand what they could do better. At the end of the book, uh, in the next steps chapter, the caregiver is invited to review everything that they've, that they've reflected on, that they've written about, and then come up with a couple of priority action items that they'll work on to improve their lives. So, um, so that's how, kind of how it's structured. Was there and any particular, oh, sorry, should I ask? Oh, okay, ahead. was there any particular chapter or theme that you, that was more difficult for you? I know that when I wrote my book, and probably Dave, when you write, wrote yours, plural, um, there are certain like things that were harder for me to write and other things just kind of like rolled off my fingertips with ease. Did you find anything to be more of a struggle, like getting more personal was harder or getting more personal was easier and when you went to more technical stuff that became harder? Did you, did you notice anything like that? I think for me one of the, uh, one of the things that I had to kind of wrap my head around was was talking honestly about my own, my family, my mother-in-law, my feelings. And my wife um, has been very gracious and supportive. And, and um, But this was a hard thing for our family. And so I try to be candid in the book and honest about some of the, the, the more negative emotions that I was feeling throughout the caregiving process. And so on the one hand, you know, I'm just kind of laying it bare, right? Just let, letting it all hang out there. But, and that, that's a little bit hard for me, but I also know that caregivers need to hear that because caregivers are human beings. This is an extremely intensely emotional experience, and it's very normal to be feeling those negative feelings. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you it doesn't mean that you, you know, don't love your loved one. Yeah. It's just the situation that you're in. Let's, let's, that let's I, take a quick break. Hold that thought. Uh we'll be right back. Don't go away. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words by Dave Nassani is the book that helps you overcome and perhaps even prevent the hardships associated with strokes. Dave takes you on his journey and experience with his own wife, Charlene, a stroke survivor. This book tells you everything about strokes to help you and your loved ones survive without making costly mistakes that may save a life or a brain from irreparable damage. One Arm, One Leg. 
100 Words. The book is available on Amazon.com or order it from fine bookstores everywhere. Okay, so you have a couple of days off and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Guilt, fear, loneliness, burnout. These are just some of the things caregivers feel. But now there's hope. CaregiverDave.com is a membership website with an understanding community designed around supporting you. With a little perspective, planning, and practical help, you can become a thriving caregiver. Start by visiting CaregiverDave.com. Get weekly calls, practical solutions, and free resources. Plus, when you sign up, you'll get a 30-minute coaching call free. Don't wait. Go to caregiverdave.com and join now. Audiobooks gives you instant access to over 50,000 of the best sellers and hottest book titles in romance, mystery, fiction, and many other genres. Just visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Audiobooks to get started. Reclaim your caregiver sanity with Dave Nassani's book, It's My Life Too. Caring for someone with an illness or condition who is expected to live for a relatively long period of time is a specific and unique challenge. This book pinpoints the needs and strategies a caregiver must do for themselves in order to survive, thrive, and make caregiving a rewarding, gratifying experience. So get your copy of It's My Life Too today or buy one for your special caregiver. It's My Life Too is available at Amazon.com and caregiverdave.com. You're listening to HealthyLife.net. Millions of listeners know the secret. Now you do too. Positive talk 24 hours a day, every day. And we're back on the Caregiver Dave Show. Dr. Aaron Light and my lovely co-host today, Stephanie Erickson, and we're talking about uh, Dr. Blight's book when caregiving calls. Okay, I interrupted you on a thought. If you can continue to that. Yeah, I was just going to say I, I, I remember <laughs> a uh, a caregiver who had arthritis and she, her hands were very in a lot of pain, and um. she just soldiered through it and uh you know the care that she required was very hands-on she her her loved one uh, needed a lot of physical help and um the caregiver you know herself was battling her own conditions and you know that that level of devotion was remarkable to me yeah Yeah, but it can in addition uh, to the title of your book I really like the subtitle as well. This is guidance as you care for a parent, aging relative. Guidance. Love that word guidance because, you know, as the caregiver's caregiver, um, I always want to fix things. I want to fix the caregiver's problems. Here's what you got to do, you know. Uh, if I were you, I would do this. But, but I love your word much better. We're just going to guide you. Dave, I, I'm so glad you picked up on that. that. That's a word that I really thought consciously about in, in the title of the book because it is not an encyclopedia. Uh, I, in the book, in, in 
when caregiving calls, guidance as you care for a parent, spouse, or aging relative. It's not going to fix everything. It's not going to tell you everything that you should do, but it will raise the questions that you need to answer for yourself. And I find that caregivers often have their – they're the ones that have the best answers for the, and the best solutions for their challenges. And I think, too, the, the importance of the, that word guide or just the approach is um, – by using the word guidance, I'm just picking up on what you said, Dave. It doesn't imply what you're doing is wrong and this is the right way. And I think, you know, caregivers already feel so guilty and judged and ashamed right. of things they've done, not done, thought, said, whatever it might be. And I think even as, you know, for myself, when I'm working with my clients, yes, I'm giving them some advice and some guidance, but I always am saying to them, what I'm saying to you may not even work at all. And, you know, your neighbor down the street might have something really valuable. Just be open to listen. Try whatever you want and be flexible. And if it doesn't work, throw it out. Your life is your life. Your experience is your experience. And you can't compare your situation to others because every caregiving situation and dynamic is is different. Family dynamics are different. Family resources are different. So I like that that's like a, a lighter way of saying, here's some offerings for you. Take it or leave it, but just reflect to try and really figure out what works for you. Yeah. Stephanie, that's, that is totally the spirit of the book, When Caregiver <laughs> Calls. You, you just summed it up completely. Thank you. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Doctor, you did it right. <laughs> so, um, and and it assists caregivers, which is a synonym for guidance. Guidance, assisting. How does your book assist caregivers? Well, I, as I said earlier, the the questions for reflection, I think, are are very important. They're an important part of the book. It has very interesting uh, stories, stories that caregivers can relate to. Some of those. Can you share, from, can you share one? Sure. Um, all of the names are changed in the book, so I, I couldn't use the real names to protect of, the innocent. Of the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the people who I cared for. But um, I'll share this this one that uh, this is a man who's who I'm very fond of. I met him through my home care company, and I I can't even remember what his name is in the book. I'm sorry, uh, I can't use his name here. So I'm just going to call him I'll, Joe. Okay, we'll call him Joe. So Joe was a university professor at the local university here. Very smart guy, and I was actually getting my doctoral degree during the time that uh, we were caring for Joe. And so I loved talking to Joe. He was just, he was brilliant, articulate, uh, but he had grown blind in his old age. And so he, he couldn't see, and he was dependent on us for, for care. And he, he is, his wife lived with him, but she, she couldn't care for him. So uh, I loved just visiting with him. And one day I came in to, to meet Joe. And he was back in his bedroom resting. He's 89 years old. And as soon as I walked in the door, he, he heard me, and he, he sat upright and kind of just looked over in my direction. You know, he couldn't see me, but he knew I was there, uh, glancing over at me. And, and I said, hey there, Mr. Uh, J Joe, how you doing? And he goes, I'm incontinent. <laughs> and that was it. 
<laughs> Silence. Thanks for sharing that. And I, I just, I just said, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you know that happens, but it's okay. It's just part of being human, you know, and being older. And, you know, I've thought often about that moment. And here's here's an educated man, a man who spent his life reading, and he was more concerned about his bladder than his eyes. Mm, and how, you know, it should it shouldn't it shouldn't be that way. But you know, there there is a certain stigmatizing thing that sure. arises when when people need help with uh, incontinence, and it's 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 shameful, it's embarrassing. It's marginalizing, and it it shouldn't be that way. You know, this is just part of the human condition. It's part of aging. And we have all these different body parts that fail. Your eyes fail, your heart fails, your lungs fail, your hip fails, your knees fail, your kidney fails. I mean, we talk about all of those body parts, but it's the two that we don't talk about are the bladder and the bowel. Those fail, too. Yeah. And, and, you know, the reason why it's people feel that way is because they don't want to age. Who wants to age? I don't want to age. We don't want to go back because aging takes us back to infancy, right? The infant yeah. needs a diaper. The infant can't see. The infant can't walk. And it's just a, a harsh reminder, you know, my gosh, the end is coming. I'm going backwards now, like that that movie, The Incredible Mr. Whatever it was. Uh, it, it, it's it's a scary thought. But on that note, we're going to take another break, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. Reclaim your caregiver sanity with Dave Nassani's book, It's My Life Too. Caring for someone with an illness or condition who is expected to live for a relatively long period of time is a specific and unique challenge. This book pinpoints the needs and strategies a caregiver must do for themselves in order to survive, thrive, and make caregiving a rewarding, gratifying experience. So get your copy of It's My Life Too today or buy one for your special caregiver. It's My Life Too is available at Amazon.com and CaregiverDave.com. Discover the world's largest anti-aging organization, Life Extension. For the best information, vitamins, and supplements, you just can't beat Life Extension. To start extending your life, go to the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on the Life Extension banner. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words by Dave Nassani is the book that helps you overcome and perhaps even prevent the hardships associated with strokes. Dave takes you on his journey and experience with his own wife, Charlene, a stroke survivor. This book tells you everything about strokes to help you and your loved ones survive without making costly mistakes that may save a life or a brain from irreparable damage. One arm, one leg, 100 words. The book is available on Amazon.com or order it from fine bookstores everywhere. If you want USA and worldwide car rentals, choose rentacar.com. Free cancellations on most bookings, no hidden charges. They are trusted by over 4 million customers. Visit our advertiser page and click on the Rent-A-Car banner. Guilt, fear, loneliness, burnout. These are just some of the things caregivers feel. But now there's hope. CaregiverDave.com is a membership website with an understanding community designed around supporting you. With a little perspective, planning, and practical help, you can become a thriving caregiver. Start by visiting caregiverdave.com. Get weekly calls, practical solutions, and free resources. Plus, when you sign up, 
you'll get a 30-minute coaching call free. Don't wait. Go to caregiverdave.com and join now. Remember, get positive emotions at www.healthylife.net. We're back on the Caregiver Dave Show with my co-host, Stephanie Erickson, author, and Dr. Aaron Blight, author. And I'm an author, too, so you got three authors here. Wow. So um, were you going to say something, Stephanie? I don't know if I uh, cut you off or well, something. Well, right before you went to break, you were talking about how the incontinence takes us back to infancy and, you know, having difficulty walking and all these things like rolls us back physically. But I, there's such a difference, though, with getting older. Physically, we do need a lot of the same type of care and support as we might as a child. But I think we need to remember that as we get older, our souls and our mind and our spirit actually becomes much more enhanced and full than it was when we were younger. And that's the part where we really need to begin to focus on in changing the way we support people is meeting them in that space so that when they are incontinent, it will not not that it's, they're not going to care because they're, they're going to care, but that they're getting so much other care and support in other ways that they still feel valuable and necessary and needed, and maybe that would minimize, I guess, the shame that is associated with the changes in the body. Hmm. Good point. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Stephanie, and... You know, so often older older adults have wisdom to offer. Their influence can be tremendous in their families, and um, they definitely have a role to play. I think in in our lives, just because someone has reached quote retirement age doesn't mean that uh, that they don't have any value in our society. Quite the contrary, I think a, a life full of experience. Uh, is something that can be shared and and imparted to others. Is that something that you talk Amen about? That. Yeah, is that something that you address in your book in terms of helping caregivers reflect on the ways that they can meet meet the needs of older adults? Because you did talk about, I'm sorry I didn't write down all the lists, but one of the things you said was mind, and you may have even said emotions. So you address that part in your book as well? I do talk about um, engaging your loved one in activities that will help them to feel valuable and right. to continue to make to connect with other human beings and to continue to remain as independent as possible. Um, we talk in there in, in when caregiving calls about the dependency continuum, where you know as an older adult ages, they might start to need a little bit of help. And whatever that help is, it's not going to be static. It's probably going to evolve and change. And so caregiving is a process of continual adaptation to the needs of the care receiver, all the while honoring the human being and the relationships and the, the intelligence and, and the things that, that the care receiver has to offer others. I think that's a, a vitally important part of, of, of caregiving is just always recognizing that no matter what 
the diminished capacity is of your loved one, they still are a human being. They're still worthy of dignity and respect, and they still have things to offer the world. And they, you know, they, and they, they can teach, and they can teach us. And one of the chapters in the book is about uh, the rewards of caregiving, and how just having this type of uh, relationship with your care receiver at the end of of their life can help you to understand so much more about what it means to be a human being. That's so true. You know, a lot of caregivers can only think about the hard work and the disgusting diaper that they had to change or what have you. But you know, it reminds me of that little boy whose whose uh, whose job was to shovel manure out of the barn, and he did it with such a passion and vigor and enthusiasm. And somebody asked him, "Why, why are you so excited about doing that?" He says, "With all this crap under here, there's just got to be a pony hiding under here somewhere." And it's, it's our attitude that can make us look at things differently. Now, you you talk about stress uh, in one of your chapters, and one of the biggest things that I concentrate on and, and what I, uh, is the thing that kills us, you know, the caregiver burnout, not putting your needs first, the stress from that uh, uh, causes suicide, causes all sorts of things, causes hospitalization and death. But um, some of the things that cause stress is not putting your needs first, but a lot of people have financial problems, and that causes stress. So what exactly do you talk about in your stress chapter? Well, in in the stress chapter of When Caregiving Calls, I, I talk about how caregiving elevates the level of stress in your life, and that stress is something that not you can't necessarily control. Um, you are always aware that your loved one is left vulnerable if you're not there. And so you may find yourself unable to uh, go and do other things that you need to do in your life, whether that's work or that's um, being involved in community activities or other relationships within your family. Some of those things take a back seat to caregiving. And you also know that at any moment in time, you might get a phone call if you're away from your loved one and you have to drop everything and go to be with them. Um, there's the stress that happens on the relationship between the you and your care and your loved one because your relationship is changing. Um, you don't have as much time anymore in the day. There's just the the displacement of other activities that caregiving introduces. Um, and then there's the emotional strain and stress that comes with caregiving. It's it's a, an emotional roller coaster. I think that right now, uh, actually, in a, in a blog, I wrote a piece about why COVID is causing more stress for family caregivers. It's already mm-hmm. a stressful thing, right? But the, the Rosalind Carter Institute for Caregiving just recently came out with a report saying that 83% of caregivers are saying right now that they're experiencing more stress than before. And I think that's because of the environment that we're in with COVID. There's an increase. Right concern about infection. Uh, the last thing that you want is to, to get COVID and bring that to your loved one. You don't want your loved one to contract that. That could be obviously be fatal. Um, you also have to be more concerned about uh, respite care. If you have other care providers that are coming into your home, 
to care for your loved one. Now you have to be concerned about them. So maybe you're not doing that as much. And what does that mean? That means you actually are doing more caregiving than you, than you did before. Yeah. And I think there's just, in general, you know, across our society, an increased level of, of stress and anxiety because of all of the uncertainty about COVID. And that only exacerbates other stressors that, that are already in your life, such as caregiving. That's for sure. Hey, we're going to take our last break, and then we're going to come back for the home stretch. So we'll be right back. Don't go away. Guilt, fear, loneliness, burnout. These are just some of the things caregivers feel. But now there's hope. CaregiverDave.com is a membership website with an understanding community designed around supporting you. With a little perspective, planning, and practical help, you can become a thriving caregiver. Start by visiting CaregiverDave.com. Get weekly calls, practical solutions, and free resources. Plus, when you sign up, you'll get a 30-minute coaching call free. Don't wait. Go to CaregiverDave.com and join now. Constant Contact and your small business make a perfect fit for marketing. They give you what you need to succeed. Fast and easy email marketing at your fingertips. Visit the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on Constant Contact to start your marketing. Reclaim your caregiver sanity with Dave Nassani's book, It's My Life Too. Caring for someone with an illness or condition who is expected to live for a relatively long period of time is a specific and unique challenge. This book pinpoints the needs and strategies a caregiver must do for themselves in order to survive, thrive, and make caregiving a rewarding, gratifying experience. So get your copy of It's My Life Too today or buy one for your special caregiver. It's My Life Too is available at Amazon.com and CaregiverDave.com. Get high-quality glasses, sunglasses, and prescription lenses at eyeglasses.com. Choose from over 250,000 items and 400 brands. Already have frames? Get replacement lenses. It's easy. Go to our advertiser page and click eyeglasses.com. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words by Dave Nassani is the book that helps you overcome and perhaps even prevent the hardships associated with strokes. Dave takes you on his journey and experience with his own wife, Charlene, a stroke survivor. This book tells you everything about strokes to help you and your loved ones survive without making costly mistakes that may save a life or a brain from irreparable damage. One arm, one leg, 100 words. The book is available on Amazon.com or order it from fine bookstores everywhere. When you need a positive point of view, turn to HealthyLife.net, your 24-7 radio network for a better future. We're back on the Caregiver Dave show with Dr. Aram the Knight and my beautiful co-host, Stephanie Erickson. Thank you for having me here, and I like it. Yeah, I like how you keep saying beautiful co-host. That's really nice. And if you run out of adjectives, I'll send you a list. So if you ask me back to co-host, I'll give you a bunch of different adjectives. I would always, I would always call Adrienne beautiful because she is inside and out. And uh, I tell people, you know, she's, I'm spit, she's polished. So, you know, <laughs> uh, compared to me, yes, you are beautiful. <laughs> you have something called uh, so caregiving kinetics. I think you want to talk about that, right? Sure, I could talk about that a little bit. 
Yeah, that's my that's my firm that I do consulting and speaking. Oh. And so uh, before I wrote the book, I would go out to uh, groups and professional conferences, and I would talk about caregiving. That was pre-COVID. I still do that, mm-hmm. but I do it here from my from my home office mostly. Uh, I offer <laughs> workshops, training. Yeah. Yeah. But workshops, training, keynote addresses, and with the book, uh, I speak to caregiver support groups, caregiver groups as well, reading reading clubs. I think that the questions for reflection in the book are totally conducive to caregiver support groups, um, and you know I'm happy to do an author visit. I also do some executive coaching for care organizations and team building exercises and organizational development. Wow, you've got a full plate there. Yeah. I think we all do. <laughs> uh, I'm just curious, you know, in, in being a caregiver and then getting into the caregiver industry with home care and all of that, you're used to being very connected to people. How are you finding the changes doing everything online now? Because your whole business was about this personal human connection, and now we're all online. How are you finding that? Yeah. You know, Stephanie, that's uh, thank you for asking that. That's an interesting question because at first when I was started doing these virtual conferences, I was a little concerned because it's not the same as being in, in the room with, uh, with caregivers and having that energy and that kind of back and forth. But um, in my early presentations, I, I started to notice that, you know, if we would pause and I would ask a question, um, and the responses would come in sometimes on chat, right? So, like, on a Zoom meeting, you've got the responses coming yeah. in on chat. And uh, the, the moderator of the session would read, just read the chat comments from the caregivers, and they were super profound, I mean, and when you hear comment after comment after comment, it's like, wow, this is a an amazing um, reflection of what caregiving is. For and you know, everybody on the on the call could relate to pretty much all of those answers in one way or another. And so I think that in some ways, the virtual format allows for more breadth of participation. It enables some caregivers to feel more comfortable and confident in answering a question because they're not, you know, in front of everyone. They, they're typing it from a keyboard. At the same time, I think that what it lacks is depth because it's much harder through a chat to ask a follow-up question and say, oh, wow, you know, you, you just said something really profound. Tell us a little bit more about that. You know, you, you don't have that ability but honestly, I've been really encouraged by the virtual format because, because of that breadth of participation. But it also allows some caregivers who maybe can't get out to engage from home in, in, in a workshop or a session that could actually yeah. that could help them. You know, sometimes you because Excellent. of your, your loved one, you can't you can't just get out and go to go to a meeting or go to a conference for caregivers. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that, you know, as a caregiver, you, you're not alone. You don't have to do this alone. You can get help, and you should get help. And I know you talked about self-care, Dave, earlier. 
and you're a big advocate for that. I am as well. And the help that you can get might be some relief from caregiving tasks, bringing in some other helpers for caregiving. But it also could be direct help for, for you, for yourself. You know, sometimes the spotlight needs to be on you and the type of help that you need might be, it might be counseling. It might be just a good friend who's willing to listen. Uh, it might be a, a pastoral uh, counseling or a religious leader, or it could be, um, you know, a, a couple days at the beach. It could be caregiver support groups. A lot of times, you know, the, the, that peer-to-peer uh, community can really be beneficial to caregivers. But the point is don't ignore your own needs and be willing to, to get help when you need it. Yeah. I like the way you made it a multiple choice, you know, more the guidance rather than, no, you need to do this, you know, because if you keep with that, you're going to kill yourself. Awesome. So how do we get a hold of your book that we want to read or, or have you coach us or get a hold of you? Well, my, my website is caregivingkinetics.com, and the book, When Caregiving Calls, Guidance as You Care for a Parent, Spouse, or Aging Relative, can be purchased at any bookstore or online through uh, retail sellers. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Stephanie, you have a book also. Uh, tell us how we can get a hold of you. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, you can go out to my website, stephanieerickson.ca. You can look up planforagingwell.com, the title of the book, or, of course, Amazon. I didn't, I don't know. Oh, I guess you can actually, I saw it. It's available on Barnes & Noble. I'm not quite sure how that happened because I didn't even initiate that, but somehow it's there. I I guess they pick it up. (laughs) Well, I think they pick it up through an outsource of Amazon. But anyways, you can can find uh, it on Amazon as well. And I have a consulting service as well that you can um, do video uh, consulting. I can do coaching with you as a caregiver. I'm not talking executive coaching, but one-on-one with caregivers. Yes, and I'm at caregiverdave.com for those of you who want to know that. And I have a new book coming out uh, the end of the year. It's called Dave's Hammock Wisdom, uh, Uncommon Sense for Uncommon Times. So check us all out, and we thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never